Hi, I'm April. And I'm Michelle. And this is Sex Love 360. And we are here to empower men and women to realize your best life after 50. Manopause.com presents Sex Love 360. With over 20 years as a premier matchmaker and relationship expert, April Beyer helps men and women gain the confidence to begin again and successfully find the partner they've been looking for. Michelle Afont is a former divorce attorney turned relationship specialist, and she tells it like it is about sex, marriage, and relationships. Together, they have one mission, your happiness. Hey, Michelle. Hey, April. So good to see you. Good to see you. So um, I want to share a little bit about my background, um, you know, and how I got started and what brought me here, if that's all right. Absolutely. So I started my career as a matchmaker in my 20s. Yes, in my 20s. Can you imagine being single in your 20s? And there you are trying to date and find love and relationship. And your job is to actually help other people find love. It was incredible. Um, And, you know, in those days, I was single and I was trying to find my guy. And um, here I was like actually putting relationships together and getting postcards from Fiji and all of my happy male clients. I'd worked for, you know, successful marriage minded men for a really long time. And I got to be honest, you know, there was a period of time that I just kept thinking, well, wait a minute, what about me? You know, when is it going to be my turn? And if I was able to help other people find love and marriage, why wasn't it happening for me? And then it realized like that was my big epiphany was, you know, actually wanting love and being ready for love were two completely different things. And it wasn't until a while later that I actually got married. I got married at 40. So yes, I did 40. And um, for me, it was, you know, being a matchmaker for the last two decades and having, a, you know, a huge chunk of that in the beginning as a single woman, but also watching the men that I was working with succeed and fail at love has given me kind of this really cool insight that, um, has kind of shaped my career. That's a great story. I love it. Thanks. Tell me about you. Okay. Well, my, my story is a little bit different. Um, we're kind of opposite in that respect. I was actually married by the age of 20, um, married for the wrong reasons, huh. as so many of us do, especially at 20 when my brain wasn't even fully developed yet. Um, but I stayed married uh, to the man I married for 25 years. We had four children. I had what I call a lot of distractions along the way, where I was going through college, um, having kids, um, going to law school, uh, starting my business as an attorney. I, I specialized in divorce. So it's, it's quite um, funny in a way to see where I've transitioned. I've, I definitely have traded in my uh, legal advice for divorce uh, for love advice and relationship advice. Um, what happened with me and my marriage was uh, my, my dad was dying up in Northern California of cancer and I got on a flight and went up to see him and it was shocking to see my father on his deathbed. Um, literally about to take his last breath and I held his hand and he told me about the many regrets he has in life. One of them not being in love ever, true, true love. Wow. And um, 
as I listened to his story, I couldn't help but think of myself on my own deathbed with the same regret because, you know, even though I was married, that certainly didn't equate to happy or passionately in love. And uh, once all those distractions ran out, you know, there we were as a couple, you know, 25 years in. So after my father passed, I spoke with my then husband, filed for divorce, um, and started my life over. <laughs> Basically, at the age of 44, uh, my kids were, my youngest was eight, my oldest was 22. And I started over and I dated on the single scene uh, while working as an attorney for uh, about five years. And at 49, I got married to my now husband, who is uh, the love of my life, truly. And it, it, it's so wonderful that I've been able to experience that in my lifetime. Um, so I ended up writing a book about my experience. And um, here I am, a relationship specialist, a dating coach, and a advocate of good love. And that's where we are today. You know, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of courage to leave a marriage when you have children. You know, it's in any situation, right? It's either emotional or it's financial or it's family issues. Um, it takes courage. So I applaud you on that. And, it, you know, it, it, it's always that one moment, right? Like that epiphany that you have when you're talking with your father and he's saying, that's my one regret is not having love in my life. And I'll bet you that is more common than not. You know, there's a lot of people that have just kind of settled. Yeah, it is very common. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to add is that I had a mantra that I would say to myself every single day of my 25-year marriage, and that was, Michelle, you love your children more than you love yourself. Mm. And I told myself that every single day because I didn't matter. My children mattered. And then as I watched my dad go through this process of death in his deathbed, I realized that really, what, what am I teaching my children? You know, exactly. That a decision that I made at 19, I have to honor for the rest of my life and not find happiness? Or do I want to teach them to leave a marriage in a graceful way and still you know, keep, keep some sort of nice relationship with the father of my children but let them know that, hey, we make mistakes. You know, we marry for the wrong reason sometimes. We go to the wrong job sometimes. We pick the wrong career sometimes. And you can fix that. Right. So that was very... Right. You know... There's a divorce attorney getting people out of that marital relationship. And, you know, what's interesting is... As a matchmaker, everybody thinks that my experience is dates and love and hearts and flowers, and that's a big part of it. But a huge part of what I do has the backdrop of, of divorce, right? Men coming to me after, you know, seeing somebody like you in the past and solving that relationship and trying to move forward to that next um, chapter of their life. And so it kind of makes me think of our topic today, which is, you know, so many of the men that come to us are asking, like, what happened to us, right? What happened to our marriage? What happened to our relationship? And sort of the underscoring of that, what I hear, and you might feel the same way, is what happened to her? You know, where did she go? Why is she so different than the woman that I met 
you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And right. it doesn't even matter if you're in a marriage or you're dating somebody, things do shift. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. I'm sure you've heard the same question. Absolutely. Over, absolutely. Right? When I, I spent five years doing research for my book that, you know, talks specifically about these situations and, you know, of the 2000 men that I interviewed, you know, there was definitely a common theme that kept popping up. And that was what happened to the girl I married? Where is that fun loving, you know, lucky, you know, happy go lucky woman that I, that I married. And, you know, in, in certainly in women's defense, look, life, life, life happened. And, you know, we, we have to be, um, you know, kind of, stepping out of our bubble, marriage bubble, and looking in at our bubble and, and making sure that we always have an eye on the direction that our relationship is going so that we don't get to this point of where did we go? Well, I think when people get married in their 20s, you know, they, they haven't really had that time for self-reflection to get that self-knowledge of like, who am I? What do I want? And, you know, if your career when you first marry somebody shifts and changes dramatically as most people's careers do, you know, oftentimes the relationship changes and we are going to change with every decade. We should be changing, but there are fundamental things, which I can get to in a little bit, but there's fundamental things that shouldn't change. And, you know, in my business, you know, when men come to me and they're sharing their, you know, their stories of their marriage and, and their loss and, you know, the feeling of splitting up, you know, their kids and, the challenge of their net worth, you know, divorces are expensive, right? They're expensive both emotionally and financially. So they come to me and they put this on my desk and they're like, okay, April, here's like where I've been. And I think the key to it is really giving people that self-reflection before they get married again, right? Before they do that again, you know, much like in my marriage, it drove my husband crazy. People used to say, is it hard to date a dating expert? to my husband, you know, at the time before we got married, you know, because she's kind of like this person who has this knowledge. And he said, no, actually it's easier because she knows who she is. She knows what she wants. Um, at 40, I wasn't going to change much. So in, in effect, it's actually de-risking your future the later you get married. So if you got married sooner before you've, you're kind of like the finished product, right? Before your kind of personality is set and your dreams and your career and your finances, a right. lot can change. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what we're talking about today, which is a huge thing. I don't think there's anybody that hasn't felt this way. I'm sure my husband said it. I've said it about our him as well, which is okay. Like it's been 11 years. We've been together now. Um, some, some stuff has changed. There has been financial. There has been health. We both had, you know, pretty big, you know, falls and injuries like a year after we got married, right? So instead of having this lovely first, you know, year of life together, we had the struggles of a much older couple. <laughs> and, you know, I think along with the growth comes the change. And, and maybe it's a maybe it's a question of what do you, what's okay? Like what is okay to let go of um, as far as how your partner has changed? Have they changed for the better? Have they done a complete U-turn and are they regressing? And are we paying attention to one another in our relationships, right? How much, right. We, because it's not right. just about how we treat the other person. It's how are we treating ourselves in that marriage and in that relationship? Right, right. And I think, you know, a lot of things come into play with all the change. And when you're, you're 
asking yourself the question, where did we go? I mean, first of all, we have to start with the basics. And that is, was there ever a we? Mm. Because I can tell you in my first marriage, there was never a we. There was there was not a we. <laughs> was there in a my second marriage, my current marriage, there is definitely a we. Mm. And the, the, the question is, do you want to get the we back? You know, are you too far gone? Do, have you grown so far apart that there is no we any longer? And I think that that's, you know, something that we can certainly in this podcast analyze. I think that, you know, a couple things come into play. Comfort love is an important part of a relationship. And when you get married, one of the joys is that you have found your partner and you can be comfortable. But we don't want comfort to replace effort. And that is so typically what happens. Uh, I'll give you a story of, um, this was just a couple years ago, our whole family, us and the six kids, yes, we're blended. Um, you know, we were all in Hawaii and my husband and I were going to go out to the grocery store. And I went in the bedroom at, at where we were staying, put on a little makeup, some lip gloss and changed into a cute little sundress. And I walked out and my daughter said, why in the world did you do that? You're married. There is absolutely no reason you need to do that. And I told her, I said, that is where the problem lies, my dear. You can't have that attitude. You know, I mean, it's, it's certainly very, very important to have that in the back of your mind. I mean, we want to stay true as closely as possible to the person that our spouse is married. And I do want to clarify, this works both ways. This works for men and women. And so we want to stay, you know, if you were into fitness, it's nice if you stay into fitness. If you were into um, sports, it's nice if you stay into sports. If you were a certain religion when you got married, you know, it's nice to, to stay true to that religion because that was who you, you, you picked each other based on who you were at that time. Are you going to grow? Yes but it's imperative that you grow together along. Right. But it's off like what we're talking about today is like, sometimes people don't have a choice, you know, external factors can actually shift people. And I see it all the time. It's the same thing over and over with men, which is, you know, she isn't the woman I married. And it isn't so much, in my opinion, it isn't so much about the interests waned or changed. It's about, you know, the character of the person shifted, um, you know, if your wife or your partner is no longer um, sort of that vibrant person that you got together with a long time ago, there may not be a choice. It could be age. It could be hormonal. It could be so many things, right? Because if we're talking about life after 50, we're going to want and need different things from our, from our partners than we did at 25 or 30, so I think it's really about like, those are nice to have things like, of course, common interests, I think keep us together, but values, it's like, I think of, think about marriage as this, like the values are the glue. The attraction is what gets you in the door. The values are the glue. The interest is what keeps it like, keep it, keeps it going along the way, right? The common things that you love to do together. And it doesn't have to be everything, but there has to be some kind of common thread there and really laughing along the way as well. But let's talk about, let's talk about when people, um, let's start with like, you know, these, like the men that we're, that we've been talking to when your wife is not 
dressing the way you want her to anymore. She's kind of lost that sex appeal. She's getting older now and it feels like she's kind of giving up, right? How, what can you, if you're in that position, what can you do to not just complain about it and lose that physical compatibility with your wife or your girlfriend or your partner or your husband, but what can you do to maybe turn that around for somebody that has nothing to do with telling them that they're failing? Because I think that's just going to make somebody feel even worse. Right, right. Yeah. And I certainly see that all the time. But I think one of the key things we have to talk about are expectations. And, you know, your expectations as we grow and we go into our 50s, 60s, 70s certainly need to be reasonable. I mean, we can't expect, you know, our, our spouses or our significant others to be dressing the way they were dressing when they were 22 or 32. You know, so we have to be reasonable in that. Um, certainly, we can give suggestions. I don't think there's anything, anything wrong with suggestions. I'm a big believer in the truth when it comes to your partner. I mean, sometimes we have to have these talks that are really difficult and embarrassing. But you know what? There is nothing wrong with saying to your wife, honey, you know, how about we go shopping this weekend? I'd love to get you some new clothes or what do you like to wear? Or, you know, you can do this stuff together. I mean, I don't think that as we grow older, we need to become two completely separate entities in our, in our lives and our beings. So I would have no problem with my husband came up to me and said, you know, why don't we, why don't we go get you some new clothes this weekend? Let's go together. Let's make a fun day of it. You know, I yeah, mean, if you don't like the way your wife is dressing. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's also reminding women, right? There might be somebody that, you know, now she's especially, you know, during now, like a lot of people are staying home. And so people are resulting to sweatpants and their hair in a ponytail or hair in curlers. You know, it's, it's also about reminding your partner, Hey, honey, you know, you're still, you're still attractive to me. You are still beautiful to me. Um, and inspiring that person to dress differently and to start taking care of their body and their style because you're reminding them of their beauty or their attractiveness. Sometimes people just give up because they don't feel like it's there anymore. Right. Um, it's, it seems like such a superficial thing, but like, even though they're, you know, we're over 50, it doesn't mean we stop looking great. No, we're not going to wear a little mini skirt, you know, anymore, but there's still a way to kind of level. And by the way, this is for both, right? You know, when, when you've been a dad for a long time or your kids are, you know, grown and out of the house and you've been married a long time, you have to actually think about like the way you're looking too. You have to look in the mirror and say, would I date me? Do I, you know, God forbid anything happened to my relationship. If I were out there right now, would I date me? Because I have an experience with a lot of men who come to me with this huge, huge list of criteria. And then sometimes it's like, well, hey, you know, what are you doing to attract this person? Especially if somebody wants to go a little bit younger for their next relationship. What right. are you doing to do that? So I think it's also just getting inspired and taking a really long look at ourselves and a good look in the mirror. Yeah, it's important. I mean, you have to ask yourself, what are you bringing to the relationship? What are you bringing to your next marriage or your current marriage? I mean, you have to keep this stuff in the back of your mind as you navigate through married life, relationship life. And, you know, here's the thing. The, the, the men that I interviewed for my book, you know, this, this was the common thread was they said to me, I just don't feel important to her. 
any longer. I feel like once we had kids, once we had the, got the dog, you know, I mean, I, I feel like I'm last in line to even get a kiss goodnight, you know, a kiss goodbye. You know, it's the kids, the kids, the kids. And, you know, even Fido, you know, gets a pat on the head before he gets, you know, a hug. Now, I know it works both ways. And I'm certainly not, you know, saying that, you know, this is all women. It, it works both ways. And we get that. But I think if we keep that in our mind of how much attention we're giving our partner, you know, and try to keep the effort at the forefront of your relationship, I mean, we're going to do a lot better. Yeah, I hear that a lot. So what happens with a lot of women and, you know, for the ladies listening, I am, I'm on your team, I swear. But I think with, you know, there's a lot of women that get mired in motherhood and, what I often hear is, you know, like you were saying, Michelle, when I walk in the door, nobody looks up from their homework. Nobody came to the door. And right. again, now that women are working too, it does go both ways. Right. But I think, you know, there's, there's, a, there's an action that has to be taken. Like it has to be something that you plan like you do anything else, like getting up and getting dressed in the morning, because it's not going to just happen because you wish it so. It's not going to just for us to tell you, hey, you know, step it up, level up how you greet your partner when they come home at the end of the day, it's not going to change much. But I think it's actually an active thing that we have to do. When I was growing up, my mom would literally like work us into a frenzy, you know, right when she knew my dad was coming home, she'd say, oh, daddy's coming home, daddy's coming home. So we would be all three of us waiting at the window gnawing on the windowsill. In fact, there was like permanent little teeth marks in the windowsill when we moved out of that house because we were all like so excited for dad to come home. And I have to tell you something that my husband's done with me, which I really love. We just celebrated our 11 year anniversary. And do you know that he comes home and says, hi, bride. Hi, bride. Good morning, bride. And I got to be honest, he was doing a better job of doing that than I was. It wasn't like I was saying, hi, groom, hi, groom. So it has to, it has to go both ways. It doesn't sound like it's that deep and important, but I got to tell you, it really does something to me to remind me like, yes, I'm that, I'm that new blushing bride, even though we've been at this for more than a decade. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the little things. It really is. I mean, you know, you do have enough little things go by the wayside in your marriage and that's a recipe for divorce. It really is. I mean, it is these little things that just build up and create havoc and puts a great divide between the two partners. You know, I mean, I, what, I, what I always tell my clients is, look, both feet of both partners need to be in the circle of commitment. So you have to both be in this, you know, one foot out or one toe out by one of the parties, it's not going to work. So there has to be a level of commitment where you're saying, okay, you know what? We as a couple are off track. I've felt it for a long time. I feel a disconnect with my wife or my husband. How am I going to get that back? And you know, step one, like I said, is you have to want it back. Step two is you both need to be in the circle of commitment and try to get this back. You know, I'm sure you know this, April. We've talked about it. You know, sex is a huge issue. Okay. When we're, when we're talking about where did we go as a couple, 
especially as we're in our 50s and 60s and 70s, sex is huge. And I'm not saying that we need to have crazy mad sex, okay? But what I am saying is there needs to be some level of connection, okay? Things are going to happen. You know, they're going to have surgeries and medical issues and you're tired from work and, you know, things you know, things do get a little slower as we get older, but I think it's super important to have that connection physical. I don't, you know, if it's a, if it's handholding, great, you know, reach over and put your arm around her when you guys are on a little walk, you know, give her a kiss, leave a note on her windshield. You know, I missed you. You looked beautiful today. You know, it's the, these little things that can really bring you back together. And, you know, if, if, you can get back on the sexual page. I mean, that, that's amazing. Well, I think it's important to remember that what stimulated your partner 20 years ago isn't what's going to stimulate them now. So no one is out there barking and saying, hey, what the heck happened to our marriage? Who's having a great sex life, right? There's a lot of things get, that can fall by the wayside, but when that's gone, it's a sign of something more. It's, yes. a, it, you know, especially for women, you know, they say sex happens between the ears, right? So there's so many people that stop communicating, stop talking. Um, it's not just about showing affection. It's also about that. And we can talk about more of that intellectual connection, which I think is really important too. But when you are not um, connected anymore, right? It's harder to have your wife, partner, want to have sex with you. It's just more difficult. And I think a lot of guys get into this rut of, well, it worked last year. Well, it worked 10 years ago. Well, guess what? It's time to update what you're doing because just touching her isn't going to necessarily do it. And I do agree with you. There's like, it's like, think about it like, Think about it like you're seeding the sex all day. You know, you're, you're walking up behind her. You're putting her, your hand on her small of her back when she's, you know, pouring her coffee in the morning, sending her that note like you said. You've got to be doing it all day, every day. And for most women, what I hear is they want the communication. And I know that's like such a, such a you know, a hardship for guys sometimes, but they really, really want to stay um, connected throughout the day in some fashion, a note a conversation, a text, just something that leads it up so that there's something there at the end of that day, right? Right. Um, because right. the sex, like, I feel like when the sex is gone, man, well, I mean, here, you, can here's, love, here's, you can love your partner, but when that sex is gone, here, it's really hard to get that back on track. Here's my little tidbit on sex in your marriage. I, I have this little analogy I use and um, works quite well, but when you, two things actually, sex is the only thing that defines your marriage as a married couple. In other words, the fact that you have sex with your wife or your husband is what makes you a marriage. Okay. It, it's what separates you from your best girlfriend or your best guy friend or your neighbor next door. It's like, I love my neighbor, Sean, but I don't have sex with him. I'm not, sleep I'm not sleeping with him. <laughs> I have sex with my husband because he's my husband. And, and so that's, you know, that is once that stops, I mean, you, you this is my opinion, of course, so you're, you're missing a great deal in your marriage. Now, that being said, in my first marriage of 25 years, I absolutely despised sex, D hated it, w did anything in my power to get out of having sex with him. 
because he wasn't my man. He wasn't my dang. I was married to the wrong man. I literally thought something was wrong with me physically. I went to the doctor. I had my blood drawn. I'm like, doc, something's wrong with me. I have no sex drive at all. And he comes back and says, nope, you're great. You're perfect. You're perfectly fine. So I'm thinking, what the heck? So my sex drive yeah. is great. I was with the wrong man. And that's just yeah. what it was, you know, and I, you know, I equate it to this too. It's like, I always use this example of, I call it the rubber band theory. And it's like, when we have sex, we are just connected and tight and just, oh, we just love each other so much. And then with every day that passes that we don't have sex, the rubber band stretches and stretches and stretches and stretches. We have sex, boom, you know, we're great. So, you know, you don't want that rubber band to get so stretched out that it snaps because very difficult to repair a snapped rubber band. Hello there, I'm John O'Hurley. Do you have FOMO, fear of missing out? Well, I did, and it frightened me. But no more, because I found Manopause.com, the site for men over 50 you'll never miss out again. Manopause.com is overflowing with articles, videos, and podcasts about sex, travel, sports, entertainment, health, and so much more. Manopause.com. Something else, you know, I think is important to remind everybody is that, you know, women want the connection for the sex, but sometimes men are going for the sex to get the connection. And that's when there is a, you know, I don't believe in this women are from Mars, men are from Venus. I think we are all human and we need to be human first. Um, but there is something to be said for that, right? If you know that men go towards sex in order to feel connected and women have the reverse, we have work to do, right? But I'm always surprised when two people come to me and ask me how to do something when it's really just communication. If you can't be honest with your partner long before there's a shot at any kind of affair, if you can't come to that person and say, whoa, you know, we got to do something here because I'm losing my beat. I'm losing my connection with you. It's been a month, whatever it's been, where the sex has completely gone out the door, then you have no business being in that relationship. But that's just, that, that's the basis of it. But I think we all have, we all have work to do, right? This is a, this is a muscle. You can't go to the gym once and expect to have a great body. You've got to work at this every single day. So when people say you've got to work at your, your marriage and your relationship, it's more of diving into sort of that self-reflection of what can I do to inspire this person to want to be with me? Right. And I think I that want to be with me in an intimate way. Want to be with me all day, whatever that is. Look, the bottom line is we need to make ourselves fuckable. I'm sorry. There's no other way to say it. You know, just because you want it, mister, doesn't mean you're going to get it because maybe she's not attracted to, you know, the salsa on your shirt from last night. Or maybe she's not attracted to the fact that you're sitting on the couch, you know, still playing video games at the age of 56, you know, or maybe she's not attracted to the fact that you have no drive and no ambition, you know, or, you know, there's a, a, a or on the other side or on the other side of that, you know, there's a lot of guys that are, you know, building great empires and they're really busy and they're really taxed and they're exhausted and, you know, they just don't have enough time. And so the, the pushback from partnership is you're not here enough right? You're right. not here physically and you're not here emotionally. So therefore the sex goes out the door. And this is what's so important for guys to remember is that the connection, 
you know, I've seen women have sex, like great sex. I had great, great sex with a former boyfriend who was not a good looking guy. He didn't dress very well. He wasn't in the best shape of his life. But the intellectual connection, the emotional connection, the, the sort of that passion level made up for so much. So I want to make sure we're not just talking about anything that's superficial because those things, of course, help. But I think it's deeper. I really oh, absolutely. Do. I mean, I can tell you in my first marriage, you know, we got married. I, I worked at, at a lumber company. I was a cashier. He worked at the same lumber company as a truck driver. Well, here we are, you know, some goodness, 40 some odd years later, you know, I, I went to college, went to law school, I did this, started a business, did all these things. He's still at the lumber company as a truck driver. So that was a turnoff to me. You know, it doesn't have to be a physical appearance. You know, it's, it's respect. You know, respect for your partner drives your sex drive. You know, I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to be Brad Pitt. That's, that's not even in the realm of what we're talking about. But you have to be attractive to your partner, whether it, it be intellectually or emotionally or, you know, be a, a, her nurturer. I mean, that's, that's sexy in and of itself. Well, I, think we should, I think we should define respect because for me, it's about how do you derive respect? I could respect somebody because of the way, you know, because of the amazing father he is. I can respect somebody because of how hard he worked at that lumber job. You know, I could um, respect somebody because how he cares for his neighbors. It's, it's just important, of course, when adoration and respect are gone, your relationship is out the door. Women need to be adored. And I think, I think we find, you know, the respect, right? We want to respect our guy. When we respect our guy, we start adoring our guy. And for a man, if he adores you, then he's going to actually respect you but we have to figure out what does make us respect somebody. Cause Michelle, what, what you define as respect is it may be, might be different from me. And a lot of it has to do with how we grew up, but also like the intellectual compatibility is another component of when, like what happened to us, right? It's the, why don't we have anything in common anymore from an intellectual standpoint? A lot of people, you know, had partnerships where their wife was able to stay home and raise a family and maybe his career went one way and she got to stay home and there's no longer that intellectual connection. And that is something we have to fight for. And that's more than just what you have in common as far as your interests go. That has to do with like, how are you stimulating each other intellectually? Because that is, to me, that's a huge turn on, right? right. If, I'm not, if I am not stimulated on an intellectual level from my partner, I can't have sex. I don't care. And my, by the way, my husband is really, really gorgeous. <laughs> but I've noticed that, you know, it has to do with love languages, right? It has to do with intellectual stimulation. My love language is time right? Time and touch. If he gives me quality time and touch, I am good to go. But it's not enough for him to be standing in the doorway looking hot, right? right it's right. nice. It's a nice to have, but it doesn't really do that for me. Well, yeah, your good looks will only carry you so far. So, <laughs> you know, you got to have a little bit more than that to bring to the table. Right. What about, what about the emotional like aspect? I think when people are wondering what happened to them. Like there's no longer the emotional pull. These are all so relatable, by the way, the physical, the intellectual, the emotional, the spiritual, the lifestyle, your common interests. I think we're just touching on many different right. factors that can be that thread 
that unravels the sweater of your relationship. But the right. emotional compatibility, that's hard to find for people. And it's definitely hard to keep. Yeah, it is. It's hard to keep. I mean, it's something you have to work on. And again, I, I go back to, you know, trying our best to stay true to the person that we, that we married or that, you know, I want to stay who I was or who I am now in my marriage, even though we've been married for 13 years, you know, I, it's, it's important. I mean, I've, we've talked about this as well, April, but you know, a lot of, a lot of men, and I'm sure some women as well feel like there was almost a, some sort of a bait and switch, you know, pulled on them. You know, they're, they're dating this, this woman. I mean, she loves sex. She loves sex in the backseat of the car. She loves to go away for the weekend. She loves to have a cocktail with him. You know, she likes to go to church with him, you know, and then, maybe five, 10 years down the road, it's like she's, she, she doesn't want to go to church anymore. She stopped. She doesn't want to drink. She don't have a drink with you. Uh, she's too much work to go away for the weekend, you know, and sex in the backseat is not going to happen, you know? So, so it is, you know, yes, we are going to change along the way. Of course we are, but you know, we want to keep, you know, a semblance of who we were when we said I do. I think that's super important. Well, if you're, if, you're, if you're smart in the beginning, and it's really hard to kind of go back in time, but if you're smart in the beginning, you do an assessment of shared values, right? You, you right. do that. But I just think it's very difficult. You know, there's, there's a lot of people listening right now that find it difficult to get all that stuff back because so much life has been thrown at them. Let's also talk about, you know, sometimes people start off, maybe they met in college and maybe their careers were on the rise and one person really, really succeeded and the other didn't. Um, or she became really busy and really powerful. And so there's a little bit of like, well, wait a minute, I want to come home and be taken care of. And then he wants to come home and be taken care of. Right. It's, it's no longer, you know, leave it to Beaver. No, Women are working. Like we're yes. tired. I, I, you know, I get home from the office around the same time my husband does and it's seven o'clock at night and it's kind of like, well, wait a minute. You know, I'm not there nurturing him in the ways that I should because I'm also drained. I'm also coming home going, okay, who's going to rub my feet? <laughs> who's going who's gonna to draw my bath and make, you know, pour a glass of wine for me and come to right. my, you know, we've all been making big decisions all day long. But I think right. that that care and that sensitivity and that vulnerability is really important. I know that I want that from my man. I'm more drawn when there is collaboration and there's emotional transparency that is so key. We often forget when we've been with a partner for a long time that we have to actually remind them that we have feelings. We have to remind them that we have sensitivities. And that kind of vulnerability is, I think, really, really, really attractive that can contain and maintain that emotional component in every relationship. It's just a check-in, right? It's just a check-in of how are we doing? I, I think it's a great idea to almost have like contract updates of how have I been doing, right? Not just complaining to your partner because that's what we do. You know, Dr. Phil once said, you have to earn your divorce. So if you're considering divorce because you're wondering what the heck happened to us, earning your divorce isn't, doesn't mean you complain every day that you complain to your partner or that you complain to your friends. That's not being proactive. Right. What's being proactive is reinvesting and going, okay, wait a minute. What's my part in this? How am I doing? On my anniversary last year, my husband and I sat 
you know, fireside and opened up a bottle of champagne that was given to us on our wedding day. And we literally did a, okay, here are the vows we took. How am I doing? And how do I rate myself? And how do you rate me? And then we compared it. It was absolutely fascinating. And that was a year ago. And I got to tell you, it kind of leveled up our relationship all that much more to be cognizant of what we were each doing in the relationship. Right. Because you do, you take each other for granted. Right. And I think it's super important too, that we remember that our spouses or partners are not mind readers. I mean, we have to have those difficult talks. And I think the fear of those talks is when, you know, things start moving along and they go in a real negative direction because they don't know why you're pissed off. They don't know why you're resentful. They don't know why you're acting the way you are. They don't know why you're pulling away, why you don't want to have sex with them, or you'd rather be with your girlfriends than you, than you would your husband. I mean, we have to put that on the table and we have to have a plan for this. You know, we have to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to do it. My palms are sweating, but I'm going to talk to my husband about this issue. And then we're going to wait for action and we're going to see what they do about the issue. I mean, story for me. I mean, my husband, you know, after we got married several years after started putting on weight and it wasn't just a little bit of weight. It was a lot of weight. And with each month that passed and the more pounds that came on, I was finding myself getting just extremely resentful of him to the point where I was pulling back on sex because I was losing my attraction to him. I mean, married or not, we are not robots and we are going to feel what we feel and we need to acknowledge what we feel. And so I, you know, wrung my hands out and had the talk with him, you know, and I said, look, I'm losing, I'm losing interest. I, I, I don't want to feel like this, but I, but I do. And, you know, I want to feel more important than that beer. I want you to bypass that beer because I'm more important to you or at least switch to light beer for crying out loud, you know, and, and he did, you know, it took, it took a lot to get there, but yeah, he just, he just dropped 42 pounds. So, you know, you got to have the talk. I mean, whether you're not getting sex and you know what I tell, I tell the men this as well. It's like, look, don't make sex and not, an issue. Okay. We are very well aware as women, how long it's been since the last time we did it. Okay. So, yeah. Do you think anybody so doesn't we know? know it's been three days? All right. Just back you know. off. Yeah, guys, we know, you know, we know we're not, back off, yeah. you know, yeah. Do, yeah. do a little nurture for me. Leave a little note on my windshield, bring home some flowers, you know, do something. And, and then you know, it's going to happen. But the more you push, the greater the divide. Okay, yeah. so just, just calm down. Well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line of calling it out um, in, the, in the best way. I, I highly recommend the, re, you know, sort of the reverse engineer approach. So figure out what do you want to get from your partner and then reverse engineer it because combating something, being combative or complaining or blaming does the exact opposite, right? We've all been there where we've stated something and it pushed our partner away away from us. So just ask your partner, what makes you excited? What makes you feel connected to me? What can I do? If you ask that person, you know, Michelle, you're in awesome shape. You know, for you, fitness is super, super important. It is for most people, but I know a lot of other people that their, their issues of lack of sex and connection in their relationship is other stuff. And it's, 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 um, 
it's, it's like what we talked about. It's, it's respect, it's connection, it's emotional stuff. It's the values are opposite. All of this stuff has to be working in concert together because this, the lack of sex is just the symptom of something else. That's all. And I love it when, <laughs> I love it when guys go, you know, she's just not interested anymore, but trust me, she wants it right? She wants it. It's if, just something isn't happening to inspire that connection right now. If she's with a man that she desires, she will desire it. I have to, I really have to clarify that because I've lived this and I was with, like I said, 25 years, nicest guy in the world, but I had no sexual desire for him. Yeah. And you know, I can, you can have, you know, sex therapists and everyone else come and tell me that I should be attracted to him and want sex with him. No, no. My body told me differently and I was going to listen to my body. There's, there's just no way I could have ever felt that for him. You know, he was a great guy, but he was my brother. And guys, you know, I'm sure everybody's felt that way too. And guys, you know, it's, it's different. It's different for you all. It just is because, you know, you can have sex with a woman that you're kind of mad at. I don't know a lot of women have sex with somebody that they're in an argument with. We don't have anger sex. <laughs> Most women are just not capable of it. Right, right. Um, We're so it's really just emotional beings, for sure. It's, yeah, exactly. We are emotional. <laughs> um, and it, it, like, it absolutely go, goes both ways. But I really wish people would get into that you know, get out of that sort of spin cycle of what happened to us and get back into a more proactive frame of mind of, okay, like we are kind of off the rails a little bit here, but if I want to be in this and I don't want to separate, right. And I want this to work. You can do it. You can actually not light back. Right. Cause I think saying that you want something back again is really hard. It's almost like you're pushing against like a heavy tide. It's so much better to say, where we are now and then what we can do going forward because it's quite possible that the person you're with is uniquely different than what they were and who they were when you married them and when you first got together so instead of trying to wish right shell we've all done this it's like the more we wish for what was the more depressed we feel right. instead of saying all right like whatever's on my table let's make it even better than it is right now and i think if you spend a re if you make the decision we're not going anywhere like I remember my husband when we hit a bumpy road because we were both having some, you know, surgeries and it was real just a physically painful time. Um, I said to him, gosh, you know, if you don't, if you don't think I'm being the best partner right now, I would understand if you left. And he pulled over to the side of the road and looked at me with tears in his eyes. And he goes, are you kidding? No way. We're going through a rough patch. I said, I do. I, I committed in front of God and our family and our friends. Like, this is it. You are my life. You are my, you are my partner. We will make this work. So I knew when I married him, I was marrying a guy that had tremendous work ethic. So right. that told me that I had a safe marriage, right? I, those are things to look at. But that kind of like what you were saying earlier about both feet in, having that level of commitment to say, we're going to make this work instead of let's, let's complain ourselves out of this is right. the first step to well, and I think getting you find, back together. Yeah. You have to find your new normal, you know, I mean, for, for marriages that have been together for 30 plus years, you know, which a lot have in their fifties and sixties, you know, no, it's not going to be as it was in your twenties and thirties, but why not create, you know, the new normal 
of your 50s and 60s and 70s because, you know, there's a great world out there in the 50 plus category, you know, and there's so much to do and so much to do together, you know, and I've noticed two things become kind of a self prophecy. So if you tell someone something negative enough times, they're going to start believing that. So if you as, as a man, you know, you know, continue or you're continually putting down your, your wife or your partner, you know, she starts to believe it, you know, whereas, you know, it doesn't make her want to love you up, you know, whereas if you're, you're making these comments such as, you are so beautiful, as beautiful as the day I met you, you know, I love you, I love you, whatever it is, and building her self-confidence, you would be amazed at the turn your relationship will take, you know, same for women. If you're constantly saying, you know, you're, you're an asshole to your, to your partner, guess what? He's going to become an asshole. You know, this is, this is human nature. So I think it's, you know, we can rebuild it. You have to want to rebuild it. You have to be with the person you want to rebuild it with. And there's a lot to be said for that. These long, beautiful are, are, very precious. So, yeah, it's a fine connection. You guys like having a great profound connection is, is, is challenging. Um, I know that firsthand from working with people for all of these years. So if you're in something, you know, strive to make it even better, get honest, get real with each other. And like Michelle, you were just saying, it's like little tiny drops of water, right? You right. can either erode the rock or you can build it up and make somebody better. People do start to hear, hear you after a while. Yeah. Um, so I love this conversation. This has been so much fun to talk about instead of like, oh my gosh, what the heck happened to us to, all right, like, let's be real. It is happening. Now, what are we going to do? Move forward. And, and also, you know, we, we want people to be able to acknowledge that they may have gotten too comfortable in, you know, in their, in their relationship, in their marriage. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't by the way, anymore. Comfort, comfort isn't a bad thing. You know, you're, you're actually supposed to be really comfortable with your partner. Right. Just don't get comfortable on how you care and love and respect one another. Yeah. Like, like I said, you do not want to replace comfort for effort. You know, you, you still, there still needs to be some effort in this marriage, you know, on both sides. So yeah, comfort is wonderful. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the beautiful things about being married to, to someone I'm crazy in love with is that level of comfort. It's, it's wonderful, but you can't let that replace the effort we into our marriages and keep them going strong. Absolutely. That is a great point to end on. Uh, comfort and effort must go hand in hand. Absolutely. <laughs> this has been so much fun, Michelle. I love talking to you about this. It's been a blast, April. You know, I was thinking since we just finished this segment on what happened to us and relationships, I thought it would be fun to assign our men a task for this week. Love. And I think we should ask them to think about doing something nurturing for their partner, their wife, and um, see what they can come up with. You know, maybe leave a note on the windshield telling her how beautiful she is, bringing home dinner, rubbing her back, you know, just doing something really nurturing and sweet and loving and endearing. I think, uh, let's see if he can score some points. Yeah. And since so many people are at home right now, you could leave the note on the refrigerator. Just one thing, one thing and uh, happens. Do what you get. 
Awesome. Well, this has been Sex Love 360. Tune in next time where we're going to be talking about where we are now, how the uncertainty of our times is impacting all of our relationships. Go to menopause.com, join our forum discussion under relationships, April, Michelle, and we'll see you next time.